0: Hi, welcome to the Artificial Intelligence, Machine Learning, and Data Science Weekly Podcast. My name is Kwan Hong, or you can call me KH. In this show, I'll be talking to AI ML and data science practitioners around the region. In each episode, I will dive into relevant and interesting AI ML topics where you get to know more about topics ranging from AI ML adoption, best practices, and tips and tricks to be a better AI ML data science practitioner. Hello, welcome to the AI and ML Data Science Weekly Podcast. In today's episode, I'm super excited to have Adrian Speyer, who's currently working as a Lead Data Scientist with British American Tobacco, or BAT Malaysia, as a guest for the show. Hi, Adrian. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here. Hi, Gage. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Okay, so I know that you're working with BAT Malaysia, but you are not Malaysian. Can you tell us uh, how did you end up in Malaysia and how did you get started your career as a data scientist at BAT? That's right. Um,
1: yeah, funny story actually. Um, I'm not exactly uh, uh, a data scientist profile, I would say. Um, I've been uh, born in uh, Romania, so I'm actually from Romania. Um, but I lived my whole life in, in Germany. and. Um, there actually I, I began i was a professional football player so uh <laughs> I, I was actually not at all uh, you know planning to become a data scientist um and uh yeah so the my my way was actually quite long i i moved to romania i studied uh, management engineering um and then i and i began uh, working in management consultancy actually uh and, and only very very late actually in my 20s i you know, made the move to IT, well, worked for, for IBM and, and for Microsoft. And uh, yeah, IT actually has been my, my, my love ever since. And slowly, slowly, I mean, building up all of these uh, um, skills and capabilities, the, the move to, to data science was was a natural one. Um, I, I joined BET from, from IBM um, a few years back. And uh, at one point, there was a discussion that BAT wants to uh, uh, open up a data science shop. And by at that time, I was uh, an analytics manager. I was developing BI dashboards and, and I was uh, a kind of an agile coach in the company. So uh, yeah, that, at that time, uh, I, uh, I heard that, that they're opening up a data science shop and the, it was only in Malaysia. And I was in Bucharest. So yeah i I definitely wanted to join and and that was that i I just moved to to Malaysia, actually having no idea about Malaysia at all uh, and that was two years ago, so I've been enjoying it obviously
0: Wow, interesting yeah. <laughs> from a from from a professional footballer to be you know in in, in a european in Europe yeah. country and then <laughs> then coming to a unknown countries and start a job <laughs> as a data scientist interesting journey indeed that's right yeah. Okay. So can you share some of what are the common uh, things that you do every day at a data science in BAT? Yes, yes. Um, <clears throat> I'm
1: actually a, a data science manager. I uh, manage a team of 10, 10 people. Um, data scientists, BI developer, um, data science engineers, um, data engineers, there's also a scrum master. So. Um, there's a lot to do. Uh, we have projects that are purely BI-based, where you build some reports, you you, you uh, create dashboards, uh, build KPIs, uh, you know, automate uh, flows of data that that are already in place. Um, and um, then there are more advanced analytics projects, uh, data science projects, where you have to create models, um, uh, where you you build uh, um, front-end interfaces, uh, web pages that that use these models. You deploy the models. You you know you do ML ops. You keep you keep track of these models. So if if I would say our, our work divides in, into three. You you have the data engineering part where you take care of the data inflow and you know have it automated, have it clean. Um, then you have the BI part where we create dashboards. You know. Uh, pretty much descriptive analytics that informs the later stages. And then we have the data science part, uh, the more advanced, let's say, everything is data science, but we have the more analytics uh, modeling approach uh, that are done by our so-called
0: data scientists. Okay, so it's it's actually quite interesting because when people talk about data science, a lot, a lot of them have this uh, um, concept that we are just building models. But actually, data science is encompassed of a lot. It's it's like like what you say, a pipeline from data engineering side, from the model building side, and also the deployment side. I think it's very important because a lot of time people, when talk about, they just want to build a lot of machine learning model. But actually, the most important part is actually deploy the models and have it used by the stakeholder. That is actually quite important. Exactly.
1: I think that couldn't be more true. So there's this uh, meme all over the internet where just, you know, it's already a cliche that uh, 80% of your time is is spent on data. And it's just true. It's it's just, uh, it's true. If it's 80%, I don't know, maybe it's less than that. But uh, it's definitely true that you need to get your your data uh, right first. And and then that's that's taking up so much time, actually. And and then uh, on the BI part as well. I mean, if you don't actually explore your data, if you don't have a avenue where you can inspect uh, your data, uh, and e- even for the models. I mean, if you if you have bad models, if you want to go back and I- investigate why they are bad, right? You want to look uh, and uh, root cause of it, and there these reports are
0: of. Invaluable help. Okay, so can you share maybe one or two projects that is quite interesting that uh, that you are doing now that uh, we would, we would like to you know find out more about it?
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, so um, we currently um, work on uh, pricing optimization. I think that's a very vast project. Um, we we are currently in the second year actually of working on it, and we are, we find out new things uh, every day um so let me and i don't know talk a bit about that and explain what it is um pricing optimization has two parts one is the demand model or the yeah modeling the demand and the second part is actually the actual optimization um so taking a step back when we say pricing optimization we talk about what is the best price that or What is the price that maximizes our profit or our revenue or whatever? But but that's what it is. So we are interested in first building a demand model. And that demand model, what it does is um, it just tells us what happens if we change the price. What happens if we increase the price? Will our sales go up or down? What, what happens if we decrease the price? Will our sales go up and down? And obviously, you need a model for that. There are a lot of features that go into um, most of it is uh, business informed. Uh, you would have, you would have a business understanding of what triggers, right? So it's not only the price itself, but there can be many other things, many other factors. So that part is in itself, this demand model, uh, creating this demand model is in itself very, very complicated um, because um it's actually a solved problem. But when you talk about thousands of models, maybe tens of thousands of models, then making them all work right is the challenge, right? Because creating only one model that, you know, works for each of these cases is just the biggest challenge that we had so far. So what, what the, the complexity here is that you want, maybe different features for different models maybe you want a different dependent variable for these different models. So building that pipeline um, that just chooses the right features, the right dependent variables for all of these different combinations is actually the, the, the highest complexity there is uh, in this problem. And, uh, and then after you have perfected this, you go on to uh, work on that optimization where you just feed the model into an optimizer and it tries to find the minimum or maximum uh, in this case. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been a challenging journey and a very interesting one, um, especially on the standardization of this thing, because as I said, the main challenge is trying to find the right uh, set of features and the right dependent variable for each uh, model in part. And then combining everything and then automating everything—that—that—that—that that, that, that was a, a huge challenge. Um, yeah, we we have had a lot of learnings obviously, and uh, business. Uh, what, what what I can say is that business feedback is it's just invaluable. So when your model don't work, you can root cause it. You can find you know technical uh, problems in it. Maybe the data is not right. Maybe there's some Uh, you know unclean data some uh, missing data points or whatever we we, we all know the problems but sometimes it's just a business that comes with the right idea and says hey look if we build that feature that will have a very predictive power you know and and we use that one and we see you know sudden increase in in accuracy
0: and uh yeah like that Yeah, so it's interesting. There, there, there is a. Uh, uh, I mean, since you are saying that we are building, you are building so many models. I mean, there, there is a common uh, quote by George Box. He says, "He com- just said that uh, all models are wrong, but some models are useful." <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, in a way that it, it's just some of that. Uh, to do a prediction of our future is actually quite difficult. But uh, we, what we can do is we can actually you know leverage from the data that we have and then try to optimize the model. And then uh, you said, do all the feature engineering and try to produce a model that actually work well or fit well to the, to the problem that you're trying to solve.
1: That, that's so true. And I think uh, one, one more thing, one big huge challenge was to, how do you explain to the business that this old cliche of uh, you know um, correlation is not causation how do you explain it to them in a way that they understand? right? Because they, they look at the models. They just do a change. Since we're doing it's a regression problem, um, they just do a change in, in some of the features some of the input. And they see uh, an output. And they are you know making that connection and say, oh, yeah, all right, so that's causing that, which, which is obviously not, not exactly true. Uh, but that's been a challenge as well.
0: Interesting. I mean, being a data scientist, we know that one of the biggest challenges that we face is actually to manage stakeholder expectation, because, I mean, there are times most of our stakeholders, there might not be technical people. So how do you how do you resolve this problem of managing stakeholder expectation, especially coming from a data scientist perspective?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. That's a very good question. So... Yeah, especially when you talk about sales where, you know, some of the uncertainty around it can be a few percent. And and when you talk about maybe millions, a few percent can be quite a lot of money. And so for, for a business stakeholder, it's it's very important uh, that it's accurate. And uh, they might uh, come to the con- very quick conclusion that the, the models are useless if they see like, Five to six percent, you know, uh, average error or something, which is actually a good model, right? But um, they have to, um, yeah, we have to set expectations right from the beginning. That's that's the only thing, and uh, uh, that we can do. And I think one important part is also, you know, analytics maturity and analytics education. And I think as data scientists, we have a kind of an I don't know, not necessarily obligation but uh, it's on our shoulders a bit to to explain to our business stakeholders how things work in a very easy way um, tell them what is actually possible and what not because they, everything that they see is uh, artificial intelligence and they see a Robocop or you know something like that. So I, Iron Man <laughs> yeah Iron Man and, and, and talking computers and all that so yeah Hollywood has uh, <laughs> play to our uh, disfavor. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's up to us to tell them, look, uh, the models that we will build, they, they are likely to contain some uncertainty. Um, how do you want to use it? Right from the beginning, how will you use this model output? Um, and, uh, and then try to build around that. Because otherwise, if you you do something that you think is is, is good and at the end, you know, you, you hand it over and with a, you know, dog eyes, is it any good? And then they say no, and then that's that's all goes for a toss. So I think the, the, the most important thing with that is just set the expectations right from the beginning. Tell them what the output will be, what, you know, what they should
0: expect and and then work from there. Yep, I do agree that... Uh... Um, most of most of companies nowadays are uh, actually they're uh, they're actually going through this what we call digital transformation, where they actually try to become a more data science uh, driven kind of decision making company. So for this company to actually adopt more data science uh, in, in in their decision making, they need to have a, like what we call a data culture, where everybody should you know. Uh, Make decisions based on what the data science uh, or, or models or, or prediction that we actually the data scientists come up to produce for them. I think that's something that uh, most organizations are actually going through that at, at this moment. It's it's very true. It's and I agree completely. And
1: uh, what I think, what I what I observed at least is that some parts of the company are actually more mature than others. So if you look at very classical um, parts of a very big corporate environment which is for example finance then you will see not as high ma- analytic maturity while if you look at marketing which is moved completely online and, and everything so there you see a bit higher analytic maturity um, and then you have HR which is also you know coming uh, fast and or or legal which is completely behind so yeah it's, it's definitely I, I agree completely and we're at at a midpoint, I I would say we are not very you know advanced.
0: Not us, but but I think in general. Agree with that. So as we mentioned, just now AI has been something like a hype, and a lot of people are jumping into this what we call AI bandwagon. Do you see there's a need for AI to be implemented as a core solution for all problems, or basic data science or basic machine learning models such as linear regression is sufficient enough. A question. Um,
1: I think, you know, we, we just talked about pricing where we tried also uh, deep learning approaches and, you know, more random forest based solutions. And the the truth is, it, it, it was just not making any business plausibility, there was no, no sense to it. And, and, in problems where you really need to be transparent, or where you, you, for, for example, in this pricing project, uh, you need a, a linear response, um, and and it has to be a parametric model. So then you you can can can't just go with with some of these deep learning models. It's just not possible. You get a very high accuracy, but from a business perspective, the the results just don't make sense because the models cannot give you that type of you know, uh, uh, requirement that you that you need. So, I'm I'm a firm believer that not everything, at least with our current models, not everything can be solved by advanced machine learning models like like deep learning models, neural networks, and all of that.
0: Yeah, so definitely there's a trade-off in it, something what we call a black box kind of where you have probably have a higher accuracy compared to uh, a model which is much simpler, but he has a very, no uh, you know, um, what we call good explan- explanatory, where you can actually explain itself, the model can explain itself better, where the stakeholder can understand how, where does the model come from and then what kind of result the model is producing. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so in, in, in your experience, what, what do you see the differences between applying data science like in what you are doing now in marketing domains compared to other domains such as banking or telco or manufacturing? You see, that's a difference.
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, the obvious difference is that uh, some might, you know, if, you, if we talk about marketing, you have a direct connection, or at least indirect connection, with your end consumer, with the with the you know uh, normal person that goes and, and buys buys the product, while you know maybe with with. A, more finance-related projects, data science, you might be more inclined towards the back end of things. Of course, even even you know, in, in, in banking, finance, fintechs, and so on, there is a component of customer facing. But I think in, in, in marketing, it's, it's more uh, focused or centered around the, the end customer than, than it is with maybe other um, fields. But yeah, again, there's no, no clear-cut rule. Um, apart, apart from that, I, I don't think there is, in my view, just thinking about it now, uh, there's no big difference, right? Because all mm, machine learning models, be it simple ones or, or complicated ones, they give you a prediction. And whenever you you can uh, formulate a problem in such a way that... Uh, uh, the output is uh, something that you would need in a decision-making process. Then it applies to to your problem uh, in any field. And, and we actually see that if you if you read uh, some uh, site news site for tech-related uh, articles, you will see that there's it, it's being applied everywhere. Data science and, and machine learning models are being applied absolutely everywhere. So yeah, probably not much of a difference at all.
0: Okay. Yeah, so in this uh, show, normally what we do is uh, we try to actually get uh, uh, the, our guests to actually give some tips and advice to be a good data scientist. Okay, so what 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 do you think uh, that the, from your experience has uh you no know, being somebody in the field of data science where you are actually in in in, in uh, building models or managing stakeholders, what are th- what are, what are the tips and advice that you, you probably think is is quite essential to be a good Data scientist.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that um, I mean that has two parts, right? You first maybe just first become a data scientist, and then and then how are you a good one, or how do you become a good data scientist? I think we it is it's a never-ending story. Uh, first of all, you have to keep learning. Whatever you do, <clears throat> there's no end to it. Um, we we see every year huge advancements in data science and yes you can stay within your quote unquote comfort zone and, and learn a few things a few tricks and then apply that but this this space is, is moving so fast so um, keeping up with that or at least you know have a, have the 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 will or the you know to advance every every year maybe every day learn something else something new uh, or, or once a year or whatever. So that's continuous learning is definitely a, a component that, that I would recommend. And, and having that mindset is very important. Having that curiosity and, and and that excitement around data science is is something that when I see it in someone, it I, I find it very, very nice. Um, then what I think is you're, uh, you, you're worth your weight in gold if you can write structured code when i see uh, a data scientist who writes good code quality code this this i i I wouldn't never let him go i mean i I will do everything in my power not to let him go this is such a rare thing actually I've, I've, i've only seen it a few times because your your um your everyday data scientist is not coming from a you know classical programming background but is expected to write you know, a lot of code. Um, so, you know, commenting your code, maintaining a, a good repository with naming things the right way. It's It sounds like uh, not so much, but it's, oh man, if, if if I could choose one thing, it would be that. Um, that's true. That's sure. And then one other thing that, that I would recommend every data scientist is be conscientious. So don't just, you know, build uh, you know, a data set and then throw something at it and, and, and see what, what comes out. And is just every minor mistake can be detrimental of, of your project. Be conscientious, check everything 10 times. Um, don't just apply uh, a model because you read it on the internet. Try to understand what assumptions are underneath the hood. Try to understand how these algorithms work. It's not, I know it's difficult and you can't always know exactly everything in super detail, but it goes a long way if if, if you try. And it goes a long way if you try to check all the assumptions and, and make sure that you're, for example, you, you, you're you sending your training data set to your model and you don't know what's in the training data set. You don't know how your data looks. That's, that's just a no-go. So, Conscientiousness is something that I, I value very, very highly in a data scientist, and there are many others. <laughs>
0: this is uh, a I, I think I agree with you. Uh, I, I, there is a there's a few traits uh, to be a good data scientist. I think that what, like, like what you said, uh, continuous learning. That means always curious, always open mind, or have open mind to acquire new knowledge. There's something very very important to be a good data scientist. I think the second thing like you said, uh, <laughs> to be a good programmer, you must able to code you know, in a logical manner. So having a logical thinking is also very, very important. Uh, and uh, so since you, 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 you are, you, you yourself has a, uh, has a quite a lot of expectation. Who do you look up to? Or who do you, who, who inspire you to be a good data scientist? Do you have any, uh, any ideal that you look up to? <laughs>
1: hmm. <laughs> Actually, I don't have one person in particular but I really I mean I started data scientists coming from a slightly different field I would say and um, I had a period where I really soaked up everything I listened to so many podcasts I read so many books I you know subscribed to every hashtag on Twitter that that was related to data science I just everything around me was data science and there are so many people in this field, oh, you can find them on LinkedIn, you can you can read their books, you can, you know, uh, watch their YouTube channels. It's, and that I think is, uh, I have a, a huge respect for these uh, persons because they helped me learn and they helped me grow as a data scientist. And um, yeah, I look up to them. There are so many people in the field, you know, the at, at Tesla, uh heads of of data science at tesla head of data science at google whatever these people are uh, or, or even at facebook there's this french guy um, yeah yeah so these these people are just inspiring and, and i always enjoy reading their tweets or you know
0: reading articles when when, when a blog comes out definitely interesting okay you know there, you know there is uh, the WAN diagram, I don't know whether you've seen before, it's actually the WAN diagram by Drew Conway, where actually yeah. there's the, actually the three main pillars of knowledge for to be a good data scientist. One is programming skill, and then we have statistics and maths knowledge, and then the third one which is uh, domain knowledge. Mm. So I think this WAN diagram was created like 10 years ago. So do you think now after 10 years, do you think is sufficient or do you think there's other skill set necessary to be a good data scientist? that is not mentioned in <clears throat> these three Venn diagram.
1: Yeah, I, I, I know the Venn diagram. Yeah, every data scientist knows it. Um, I've, heard, I've heard a good thing someone say, and, and I agree with that. I think as being a data scientist, having all three fully developed is something, I don't know, very rare. It's something very rare to have someone who, uh, who has all, all the three things. But a data science team should have all three things covered. So a team um, having you know people who can you know code very well, or having a a, a a team member who knows the business super super well, and then you know have someone who has a PhD in statistics. That will go a long way because if you work together, that will go a long way. Having one person having all three, fine. You have a unicorn. Uh, he can. He can do a lot of things. Try to keep him. Never let him go. Um, but uh, nowadays, I don't know if uh, if we if if there's there should be another uh, another field uh, that should be added to this Venn diagram. I think
0: it's it still holds true. How, how about the the one where we're talking about managing stakeholder communication skill? I think there is something essential also there, which is not inside this Venn diagram.
1: That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're so right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crucial to be able to communicate. I think this, uh, what you're just saying is, is a, is a circle that has to be added to everything in the world. Right? <laughs> to every job, to everything, communication is key. And if you can communicate your thoughts very well, then, uh, and, and, you know, set expectations that, that's, that's so important so yeah soft skills definitely needs to yeah. be there I agree.
0: Okay Okay, I think we are coming to the last question for the day. So as a data scientist for yourself as yourself, um, what do you think is one thing that most people have mis- uh, biggest misconception about your job? Yeah uh, I mean I think everyone will uh, respond in the same
1: way to this question is just people think that we do science fiction. I think uh, <laughs> they 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 probably think we you know we uh, build some type of AI and, and all of that uh, and and actually if you know the models if you know what they do sometimes it looks like magic I agree but most of the time it's, it's just statistics it's just math it's uh, you know computer science a little bit. So, yeah, that's the biggest misconception. They, they think we build some magical tools. that just gives you the answer and, and it's always right. And, and you, you can rely on it no matter what. It, it's
0: not that. <laughs> okay. So I think the, in conclusion, we are not unicorn or we are not magician. <laughs> <laughs> we,
1: we, are, we are just that's normal right. data
0: scientists based on based on facts and based on data that that uh based on that we can actually come up with a, a reasonably good result, but we can never produce something more magical than that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So Thanks Adrian for your time for today. I think we have a nice chat. We cover quite a lot of topics. Um yeah. So thank you for your time today. Thanks, Kate. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify Podcasts. If you have any comments or recommendations, I will be glad to receive your voice messages. Send me your voice messages via the link in the show notes. To catch all the latest episodes, you can follow this show on our website www.aimldatatalks.com or our social media such as Instagram or Twitter with the handler at aimldatatalks. Thanks again. I will see you next time.